Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Hey, my name is David. For those of you who don't know, I'm one of the pastors here. And today, I'm excited to bring the Word to you. And uh, for those of you who don't know me and my family, um, I've, I've been married. We're, we're coming up on our 14th year of marriage. And, uh, yeah. It's been amazing, and I, I, I married way out of my league. Um, and um, anybody that knows my wife would agree. It's not like question; it's for sure. But um, when you know, when I talk to my wife, I just I know I'm like, man, she's so brilliant. She's so smart. Every time I come home, like on my way home, I know that when I get home, she's gonna have like three ideas for new businesses. She's gonna have, uh, you know, four new revelations on the state of education in America. She's gonna have ideas for ministries that I should start, and she's gonna just have all sorts of brilliant ideas coming forth. And I, I think that what happens is when someone is that brilliant and intelligent, there's just not enough space or processing power to remember things like where your phone is. Uh, if you're married, maybe you, maybe you know someone like this. Uh, maybe your maybe you know someone. Like, maybe your spouse is is like this. Um, but there's this conversation that we we have oftentimes, and it, it goes something like this. She says, "Hey, David, do you know where my phone is?" Now I don't know why she would think I would know where her phone is. Um, whenever I hear that question, typically what that is, is a cue for me to start praying because I need to pray that God gives me patience for the drama that is about to unfold in my life. And she says, uh, do you know where my phone is? No, uh, no, I don't. And you know, did you check your purse? No, it's not in my purse. Okay. Is it in the bedroom? No, it's not in the bedroom. Okay. Well, where was the last place you had it? And typically, that question brings about four or five pretty vague answers of separate locations. And so, before you know it, I'm in the garage with a flashlight underneath the car looking for the phone, perhaps, that was dropped. I'm looking in between the seats and about 30 minutes into this whole saga, typically I get a phone call that says, hey, I found it. That's great. Where was it? It was in my purse. There's, there's very few things that are as frustrating as looking for something in the wrong place. I believe that much of our frustration, many of the failures in our life, and some of our greatest regrets are because we were looking for something in the wrong place. Amen. We all have desires and needs that run deep. God has not made you for simple pleasures. He has made you for deep pleasure. 
And there are longings in our heart that are not easily satisfied on purpose. And I believe until we acknowledge that the love of God, the love of the Father is the only place where we will truly be satisfied, we will continually look in the wrong place. If you don't enjoy the riches of the Father's love, you will look for a party somewhere else. If you don't enjoy the riches of the Father's love, I guarantee you, you will look for a party somewhere else. You know, the, all of our relationships in life are meant to teach us about our relationship with God. God is is um, beyond us. And so he gave us lots of different examples so that we know how to interact with him. And, and so the relationship of a father is one of those critical, critical relationships that helps us understand who God is and how God is interacting with us, how he loves us, how he cares for us. And whenever you start talking about fathers, really what happens is uh, there's a lot of alarms that go off in our hearts um, because uh, newsflash, everybody has broken fathers. Maybe your father was absent. Maybe your father wasn't present. Maybe your father uh, just was not great at being dad. Whatever it is, maybe you had a great dad, but he wasn't God. <laughs> and so we have things that we have to unlearn and things that we have to relearn. But I, I have good news for you, okay? Okay. No matter who you are, no matter if you had a good dad, bad dad, uh, a dad in between, or you're not even sure, it doesn't matter. You could still be whole, healthy, loved, and fully content without him. Good news. I believe that many of the frustrations and the longings and the desires of our life are fulfilled as we begin to make the transition from looking to other people to satisfy the role of father in our life. Amen. And you might say, well, I don't, you know, I'm a grown man, I don't need a father. True, and you're probably right, but the, the reality is that our desires and our longings run deeper than we are wanting to acknowledge oftentimes. And our relationship with the Father exposes the deepest, most intimate parts of who we are. Look at what Jesus did. At 12 years old, there's a story in the Bible I'm gonna read here in a moment. And this is not the main text, but I just wanna prove a point here. When we look to someone else to satisfy the need that the Father has, we're missing the point. There's a transition that took place in Jesus's life. And I wanna, I wanna show you this. Jesus and his parents, they were in Jerusalem at a festival. His parents left and they forgot him. Praise God, that makes me feel really good. Even Jesus's parents left him and forgot him. If you've ever left your child in the grocery store, there's grace, you know? Uh, that's not a personal story, just an example. But Jesus' parents forgot him, 
And they forgot him for three days. So if you felt bad about yourself, you can feel really good now. They forgot him for three days. So they go back to Jerusalem and they're looking frantically for him. And this is what it says. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Who is he talking to? He's talking to his dad. Hey, dad, didn't you know that I should be in my father's house? In other words, what Jesus is saying is, I am making a transition because I acknowledge that my earthly father is not able to meet the deep desires and longings that my heart has. He is not able to teach me the things that my heavenly father is able to teach me. He is not able to affirm me in the way that my heavenly father is able to affirm me. And although I can carry his last name, he is not able to give me the identity that my heavenly father is able to give me. I believe much of the the dismay that we experience in our life is because we fail to make the transition from looking to others to looking to the Father. That's why people settle for toxic relationships and they can't be single. That's why people work themselves to the bone at the expense of their family and their own personal health because they are looking for someone to say, good job, I'm proud of you. That's why why people uh, get addicted to things because they are longing for an intimacy. They are longing for a satisfaction. They are longing for something to satisfy them. That's why people bombard themselves with entertainment because they, they want to know what their purpose is and they know that they are not fulfilling everything and so they want to live in a fantasy world because they feel bad about where they're at. It's a light message today. Just a real light. If you don't enjoy the riches of the Father's love, you will look for a party somewhere else. So if it's true, then how do, we, how do we embrace the Father's love? And even better, how do we enjoy the Father's love? I wanna look at a story that is gonna help us to understand this. Jesus gave a parable of, of two brothers and a father, and he showed how the father exemplified love to these two sons and how these two sons responded and in reality, how we respond to the Father. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Luke chapter 15 and I'm gonna start in verse 11. And before I even get there, I wanna pray. (laughs) I wanna pray that God would help us to let go and renounce all lesser loves. That we would no longer look to the people in our life to satisfy the things that only God can satisfy. If you're a needy person in here and people are like kind of push you off because you're so needy, I wanna tell you something, you need this message. 
If you're not a needy person and you're, you're a hermit and you don't wanna talk to people, you need this message because you need to know that you can find God even when you're talking to other people. So Jesus, we just pray right now that you would help us, oh God, to see you. Father, Jesus made a way so that we could talk to you directly. The reason Jesus came is so that we could have access to the Father. When he died on the cross, the temple, the curtain in the temple was torn in two, and we have complete, full access to the Father. Anytime that we want you, we can have you. And I just pray that we would walk in that reality day in and day out, and that we wouldn't shy away from taking you at your word and enjoying you. I just pray, oh God, Lord, for all religious spirits to die today. I pray for rebellious spirits to be repented of. I pray, oh God, Lord, that we would run to the Father. Love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. I wanna explain a couple of things because there's some details here that the original uh, listeners would have understood that we don't see. You see, when the son said to the father, father, I wanna get your inheritance, that might not sound like anything significant, but for the hearers of that day, it would have been an incredible insult. It would have been as if the son said to the father, dad, I want to enjoy your stuff, but I don't care about you. And not only do I not really care about you, I want what I want so bad that I wish you were dead. And he says, and, and because I can't wait for you to die, can you just sign it off and just let me go and I won't see you again and I'll just get the inheritance and I'll do what I want to do. Anyone that would have heard this story would have said, man, the father is probably gonna, you know, swing back and, and pop that, that person in the face, you know? There's no way that, that anyone would have thought, oh, the father's gonna agree to this plan. Yet, what do we see? The father said, if that's what you want, that's what you'll get. So he split the inheritance. He gave it to the, to the inheritance to the older son and then he gave part of the inheritance to the younger son. And so the younger son, it says not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And when it says he gathered all he had, what that implies is that the younger son would have had to go and he would have had to take the deed to the property that he inherited and he would have had to go and sell it to the people in the community. Now, when you sold property back in those days, it was a great shame to your family because in a lot of ways, what you were doing is you were handing off an inheritance that was supposed to be handed to your children. You were cutting off a family line. And in a lot of ways, you were actually stopping, you were, you were essentially removing borders, even of your nationality. And so this was a renouncing of the family, and it was a shame to the father. And everyone in the town would have heard about this. And when they heard about this, most likely what they would have done is they would have gone to the father and they would have said, you 
cannot do this. This is a terrible decision. It's not only a shame to you, it's, an, it's a shame to our entire community. And we are gonna excommunicate your son for the shame that he's brought on you and us. And he would have been, he would have been pushed out. And if he would have returned, they would have, they would have had words with him. There would have been even a ceremony to renounce him and to shame him if he ever came back. And so as this son sold this property, he went into a, a, a faraway land and it says there he squandered his property in reckless living. Now the massive question that we run into is why in the world did the son do this? But really a better question is why do we do this? You see, why do we live in the Father's house and enjoy the riches of the Father's house, but still long for something that's different, still long for something that we think will be better? I'll tell you, it's because we have not learned to enjoy the love of the Father. We have looked at the inheritance of the Father as the same as the relationship with the Father, and they are two separate things. The love that you encounter with the Father, it produces an inheritance in your life. But the inheritance is not the relationship. What this son did was he burned the bridge of the relationship thinking that he could satisfy his own desires in his way. He wanted pleasure without the process, freedom and autonomy without accountability, benefits of the Father's love without the commitment of the Father's love. He wanted intimacy, joy, and freedom. So, what happened? Well, verse 14, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. You know what's interesting is there's never a famine in the Father's house. Amen. Never. But when you go outside the Father's house, have you noticed things run out real fast? A severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And when he was longing to be fed and he was, excuse me, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. This is the lowest of the low. He's feeding pigs. For a Jewish person, a pig is unclean. They wouldn't even touch that animal. And so if his job is to feed the pigs, not only is it a low position, but no one cared enough for him. They cared more about the pigs than they did for him. They gave the pigs food before they gave him food. So, Nothing wakes you up like a pigsty. You ever notice that? You're like, man, it smells here. This is terrible. The thing that you were looking for, hoping that it was gonna satisfy, hoping that it was gonna do something for you, you get there and you're like, this is it? You get that promotion that you were looking for and you're like, yeah, it didn't do it for me. I still have debt. How is that possible? 
You get married and you realize they're not enough. You, you go buy that thing that you thought was gonna make you feel value. It didn't. A pigsty has a way of waking us up. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. You know, the interesting thing about this is that he concocted his own plan. This is where religion, uh, excuse me, this is where rebellion turns into religion. You see, all of us have this innate desire that when we mess something up, we wanna work to make it better. We wanna do what we can to try to restore things. But you know, if you've ever gotten into an argument with a friend, and then you went to that friend and you said, hey, uh, so how much money do you want in order to like put this under the rug? What kind of an insult would that be? You would never do that because reciprocity does not work in the context of relationship. So what's happening here is he's saying, I'm gonna earn my way back into the father's house. I'm gonna go work for him, make money, and then I'll repay him for what I did. You see, he still didn't look for a relationship with the father. He still didn't wanna come under the authority of the father. He still wanted to be independent, rebellious, and live his own life but he didn't want to eat with the pigs. Not the best repentance, but how does the father respond? And he arose, this is verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. You know what always surprises me? This always surprises me. I, don't, I hope it never stops surprising me. You know what always surprises me? Is that when you repent, you always find reward, not punishment. Amen. Amen. You always expect punishment, but when you repent, you get reward. Amen. It doesn't make sense. It's not fair. It doesn't, it doesn't line up with the way that we think, but that's the way that the Father operates. And so he felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The, the idea is that the Father is sitting on the porch and he's looking out and he's saying, I wonder if my son's gonna come home today. I miss my son. The one that sold all my property and squandered my wealth. The one that insulted me in front of the entire town. I can't wait to see him again. He's looking for him. And the Bible says as he was a long way off, the father started running. In those days, uh, men of stature never ran. It was a shame for a man to run. But the father did not care. He said, I'm gonna come after my son. And he left all of his pride, and he says, I'm running after him. But now, here's the other thing. The reason that he was running to him is because if the son came back into the town, who is going to find him? The town is going to hear about it. And you know what's gonna happen? a mob is going to begin to form. They're going to be there to seek justice for what was done against the father. 
They're going to say, you have shamed us, you have shamed your father, and there was actually shaming ceremonies that would be given to people who left and shamed their parents. And when they came back, after they had messed up, they would be shamed because they thought that that improves behavior. But that's not what happened. The father ran, ran to him, and it got to him before anyone else could. And before anyone else could say a word, the symbol of forgiveness was a kiss on the cheek. He ran and he embraced him and he says, I love you. And he kissed him and he forgave him instantly before the son said a word. You know, if you thought that you've messed up too bad, that you've gotta earn something with God, can I just tell you, that is a thought from the pit of hell. If you're trying to work for your relationship with God, you will be disappointed and God will be insulted. You can't buy the love of a father. And he doesn't want you to. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Praise God, beef is the best meat. It is the one that they used to celebrate it's the best, it's in the Bible. <laughs> Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Look, I love this. So the son has his speech ready, right? And he's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. And the father's like, yeah, yeah. I, I know you got a plan, that's a terrible plan. You're my son. You're my son. Hey, servants, servants, go get the best robe, my celebratory robe, the one that I wear when there's a celebration in the highest form of, 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 of celebration. Go get that robe and put it on him. I want everyone to know that this is my son. And you know what? Bring the ring, the ring that shows how wealthy I am, the ring that shows the authority and the power that I have, and give it to my son so that everyone knows he has the authority and the power to make decisions in my house. And bring the sandals, the sandals that show that he's a free man. He's not a slave or a servant. This is my son. Before anyone in the town could make a song of taunting and shame, the father said, this is my beloved son. This is my honored son. And we are going to feast tonight in celebration of him coming home. If they killed a fattened calf, what that meant was that there was so much meat, it's assumed that the entire town would have been invited. They didn't have freezers, they couldn't store the meat. And so if they killed a large animal, if they're killing steak, you know, if they're eating steak, you know that there's a celebration. They would have invited the entire town. And so everyone in the town would have been confused. This is the strangest party ever.
What kind of love does this father have for his son? What kind of love is this? That this dad would take all of these insults and not say a word and then celebrate. He silenced all the critics. He silenced all the shame. If you're dealing with shame here today, Jesus silenced shame on the cross. Shame is illegal in the kingdom. It doesn't help you get closer to God. Repent and move on. If you don't enjoy the riches of the Father's love, you're gonna look for a party somewhere else. So then the older brother comes. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came, he drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to them, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Look at this. So the son, the older son comes back. Now, you have to understand, this would have been a party. The, the, the older son would have been a major part of this celebration. He, they would not have started eating until the older son came into the party. And so when the older son came to the entrance and refused to go in, it was a public insult to the father. In fact, the shame that the older son cast upon the father by not going into this celebration, this, this incredibly once-in-a-lifetime type of celebration, the kind of insult that would have been given to the father would have been worse than the first insult that the younger son had. Imagine being at a wedding and your brother is getting married and during the... Um, during the, the groomsman's speech, in our, in our context, it would have been as if during the groomsman's speech, you used that time to, to insult and to, and to cuss out your own father. That would have been the equivalent of what this older son did. And so the father, of course, became angry and said, I renounce him, right? No. He went outside to meet him where he was at. He walked outside the house and he began to entreat him. And the son, guess what he was looking for? The older son. Get this, guys. Listen, those of you who have been in church for a long time, listen. What was the older son looking for? A party. And what did he say? Hey, I've been in your house. I've been obeying you these many years. I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat. Further evidence that beef is the best meat. <laughs> you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. In other words, my friends are not in your house. The people that you consider friends are not my friends. I'm different from you. I work in your house as a servant. I'm not a son. 
I've been working for you all these years and you never honored me. The older son was looking for honor without relationship. The older son was also looking for a party. The older son also wanted the inheritance and he didn't stop the father from giving him the inheritance that the younger son forced. He never stopped it. But how does the father respond? And he said to him, son, you were always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. You're always with me. You know, one of my greatest fears as a pastor is that people that are around the things of God know all the right language to say, but they don't have a deep, intimate love with the Father. That they hold on, that they hold on to the desires of the flesh, even while they're serving God. And then they get bitter at God because they didn't get what they want. I've heard people say, man, you know what? I can't believe that I'm single. I, I've been serving God faithfully and I haven't done anything in this. And, and, and why, why can't I get married? I've heard people say, you know what? I've been tithing and, and you know what? I just haven't been able to get a breakthrough in a new job. I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I didn't get this and I didn't get that and I thought I would have some breakthrough and I prayed for this long and this person didn't get healed. Listen, I wanna tell you, all that that says is it exposes your true desires. It exposes that you're coming to the Father for the inheritance and not the relationship. God said to Abraham, Abraham, I am your very great reward. The Father is the party. The Father is the party. The party comes from the restored relationship with the Father. You see, if you don't learn how to enjoy the Father's love, you're gonna look for a party somewhere else and you're gonna get bitter. But I wanna tell you, the riches of the Father's house are great, but they're nothing compared to the love of the Father's heart. You have to be able to renounce lesser loves in order to be able to receive the greatness of intimacy with the Father. It's why Jesus came. When Jesus came, he died on the cross and the curtain was split in the temple so that we have complete access into the throne room of God. You can enjoy God anytime that you want. You can enjoy God anytime that you want. And maybe you're like, man, this is weird. I don't even know what you're talking about. How do I enjoy God? Don't feel bad. It's okay. Don't feel bad. Most people, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people in church, they don't know how to enjoy God. And it's the reason that they never are able to break agreement with sin in their life. 
Some of us spend so much energy trying to stop doing certain things. If we were to take that energy and start doing the things that we say, God, this is what I want to do to love you. I guarantee you those things that you'd be like, man, this is not as good as this. You change your desires. So how do we do this? The older son, he was looking for validation from friends outside the father's house. He was looking for honor apart from intimacy. He's looking for a party. Both of the sons, you know what they missed? They, they missed the embrace and the affection of the father. They missed the validation of the father. Neither one of them knew who they were. The older son thought he was a servant. The younger son thought he was the man. Neither of them realized they were sons. They were sons in the father's house who had access to all the riches of the father's house. Listen, Ephesians 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All the riches of heaven are available to you in the heavenly places. You can go there. So what does it look like to enjoy the Father's love? What does it look like to embrace the Father? You know, sometimes I think that the way that we look at this is wrong because we look at it as like, okay, well, I need to get a little bit of an injection. Uh, and, and so I'm going to come and I'm going to come to church on Sunday and that's going to be good for me. And I'll read my Bible in the morning and that'll be enough for me. I want to tell you something. It's not enough. It's not enough. You might say, well, man, what does God expect? He expects you to walk with him. Sometimes, you know, Okay, uh, forgive me, I've, I've used way too many meat illustrations in this message, but that's okay. You could tell the, the lesser love that I struggle with. When, when you have a piece of meat, right? You could put salt on it, and that's good. You could season the outside of it, and that's good. And you could cook it, and it tastes good. But when you marinate meat, it changes the composition. It goes deep into the fibers of that meat and it changes the flavor all the way through. Sometimes we look at our relationship with God like, oh, I just need a little salt on that. No, you need to marinate in that. You need to sit in the love of God. You need the love of God to wash over you like waves in the ocean just washing over you. The Bible says, that the voice of the Lord is like the sound of many waters. It's like waves on the ocean just washing over you. You need the voice of the Lord to pour over you day in and day out. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. That's his command. So for us, we have to look at the satisfaction that we have in our life and we have to say, this is the way that I'm going to be satisfied by being with the Father. Okay, so practically, what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you, I told my son the other day, I said, Owen is my oldest, he's 11. He's, you know, he's becoming a man. And I said to him, I said, Owen, 
I'm going to let you down. I don't even know how yet, but I know I don't have everything that you need. I can't validate you enough. I can't tell you your identity. I can't tell you who you are enough. I, I can't love you enough. I don't have it in me. And it's not because I'm a terrible person. It's because I'm a man. Owen, you need to learn to transition to the Father. You have to understand that you need to hear from the Father who you are. If I'm upset at you, the Father can tell you, I love you, I'm pleased with you. When you're wondering who you are, if my last name isn't enough, God will tell you your identity. He'll say, you're my son. You're royal. You're a priest in my house. If you're wondering what's going on in your life and you're not sure how your, your future is gonna unfold, just look to me, I know your future. I planned it in advance for you. I was at camp uh, with, with students this last week and, and I called home because I missed my kids and I was so glad because all of my kids wanted to talk to me. And, and when I called, they said, they said, Dad, we, this is what we did this week. Can you believe I, I drew this picture? Dad, can, can I send you a picture of this thing that I drew? Yeah, I want to see it. Please send it to me. Dad, Mom let us eat ice cream and pizza. I called them while they're at Jenny's. I'm like, you're busted. They wanted to celebrate with me. They wanted to enjoy it with me. When was the last time that you celebrated a good lunch with God? When was the last time that, that you walked outside and the sun hit your face and you're like, wow, God, you love me. You said that your face shines on me. When was the last time you went to the gym and you worked out and you felt good after walking out of the gym and you're like, God, thank you that you gave me this body to walk around in. Maybe you're at work and you've been striving so hard to be validated. You've been working hard. You've been trying to become rich because you think that it's going to bring value to your life. But I want to tell you something. All you need to know is to be able to look at your life and to be able to say, God, thank you for these gifts that you've given to me. You, you made your son so gifted. You're so pleased in the work that I do for you. You'll probably make more money if you do it like that, by the way. If you don't need someone else to say, good job, I'm proud of you, then that means that you've received it from the Father. Some of us are looking for validation on social media so much, and you know it because you're addicted. And there's no shame. There's no judgment here. Maybe it's the color on the screen, or maybe it's the thumbs up, or maybe it's the, the heart or the like, or whatever it is, whatever, you know, your MySpace account, whatever, like. You got, you're just, you, you want, <laughs> that's a joke, I, I, I don't have it. I, you're looking for validation. And you know it's kind of true, but you think it's okay because everyone is. It's not okay. Sons don't need validation. Daughters don't need validation because they know where they can get it. 
Come on, can we stand? Today, what we need to do is we need to be able to renounce the lesser loves. There's another passage in the Bible, I don't have time to explain it, but it says, stop going to broken cisterns. In other words, stop going to the broken wells that just don't satisfy. You can't entertain yourself enough. You can't find something exciting enough to satisfy the longing in your heart. You can't find someone who's gonna love you enough and be perfect enough for you. There is no leader, there is no father, there is no boss that is ever going to be able to validate you enough. Renounce the lesser love. Renounce it. You don't need someone else to say, I love you when you hear, I love you from the Father. But I wanna tell you something, this isn't something that a preacher can tell you, it's something you have to experience. You can know that you need the Father's love. And you can come to church and you can feel better about yourself, but I wanna tell you, when you begin to marinate in the Father's love, when you remain in the Father's love, in the morning, in the noontime, in the nighttime, when you're walking from one place to another, when you're walking with the Father, you begin to experience the love that washes over you. Just begin to close your eyes, open up your heart to the Lord. I want you to pray. I want you to say, God, Holy Spirit, show me the love that is lesser than you. I wanna renounce the lesser. I wanna renounce the lesser. Just let the Holy Spirit shine his searchlight in your heart for a moment, watching online. Let the Holy Spirit shine his spotlight. Maybe there's areas of your life that you've gotta get right. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe you're struggling with lust. Maybe you're struggling with greed. You just want, you want more money. You just, you need more. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship that you need to break up from and you know it. You're angry. Some of you are angry at God. You're angry at God because you've been working so much for God, but you're still not happy. And so you're judging other people. God wants to teach you how to celebrate.